Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Buckler. I'm Chris Heine. And I'm Francesca Butchko. We'd like to be very specific with you today about what we're going to talk about. In fact, it is specificity. (laughs) We were having a conversation today because we've had plenty of things going on this week where we've had some, is is vagities even a word? I don't don't think so. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We've had some fairly vague things happen. Everything from having to read um, some interesting proposals to um, certain things where we've seen both very specific and very vague artist statements. Um, I I did junior reviews this past week over at the college and um, got to see a good variety there. And then also we were talking about the social side of being specific and vague about your plans or about kind of what you intend on on meeting up or doing with somebody. So besides all of those things, I'm sure we're going to get into some other topics, but let me tell you, I don't think I've ever been a, a big fan of reading artist statements because of how vague they usually are. Mm-hmm. I think we have seen some really good ones in the last couple weeks as we're reading ones for the Iceland 2015 residency, and it has completely changed my appreciation for people that go into detail mm-hmm. about what they do. Um, on the flip side of things, doing the junior reviews this last week was really interesting because I read a ton of fairly vague artist statements, but I can't really blame those guys because I don't really think in the beginning of your career, you really know exactly what you're trying to do. And I don't think that that is as easy to do. Uh, You need to write a very specific artist statement at that stage of life yet. I was surprised, however, there were a couple people that totally nailed it. I wanted to ask you guys when the last time it was that you had to write an artist statement. All of us had to write an elevator pitch probably just a few months ago when we did our artist artist, in, artist initiative grants. Mm-hmm. You had to write an artist oh, statement? that's right. It yeah, was we a did. part of the grant. I was going to say. Yeah. It was a, one of the pages, yeah. I was thinking when you were just talking a second ago, I was thinking about the difference. I think part of the reason that the applications for Iceland have felt so specific is because they feel more like bios than they do statements. And maybe that's like a big difference too in like how specific you can be. Because yeah, I think the last time we did write an artist statement was for the Artist Initiative Grant, which is like, I don't know, two pages of describing exactly what your practice was. Right. So ranging from what? Just for, for people that have never written one before. Well, the the entire two pages, which is not very much, um, but you had to write about your interests and what you're doing and how like your entire practice and then what kind of project you want to do and how it's going to benefit you as an artist and into the future. So I think one of the... I'm considering the whole grant not an artist statement, but there is an artist statement aspect to it. And I believe there might have even been part of the online thing is you had to give a brief little tiny artist statement and it was probably only a few hundred words, but it was... It was probably harder than writing the the grant itself because the grant is like you're talking about a project you're going to be doing, whereas the artist statement is kind of like this nebulous. Here's who I am in like a paragraph. Yeah, and it's, it's trying to sum up your work in a nice, clean package, which is sometimes hard, especially if you do a lot of different things constantly. So what makes an artist statement different than an elevator pitch? An artist statement different than elevator that- pitch? I think an artist pitch... A, 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 <laughs> yes <laughs> yes Tell an us, elevator Chris. pitch is just an introduction whereas a artist statement is a deep 
um, dissection of what you do and yeah. why well, and that's... what and like the themes and things like that in your work. The elevator pitch seems, again, more similar to the artist bio where you can be concretely like, these are my clients and I am a illustrator or I am a designer. And that seems more concrete and easier to like package into a nice little paragraph than to say my work includes the themes of six different things and I use six different kinds of materials and it's displayed in six different ways. And that's how you would write your artist statement? Uh, six different things here, well, six different things maybe, here. Maybe, maybe I would. I don't know. I just like if if that was the difference between them, one being like a list of things that are included in the things you're interested for your art practice versus a concrete list of here are my clients, here are the things that I've worked on in the past. That seems more definitive and easier to write than an artist statement. It seems different. So you're saying the list of clients is your elevator pitch. Yes. The here's how I think about how I make is, the is your artist. Are you talking yeah. about it more in terms of specifically the Iceland thing? No, I think in general, general, like in general, like, like the, like when you walk into, for example, I think when you have a solo show at a gallery, you have to put an artist statement pertaining to the work itself. Yeah. Right. Now, I, I guess think, you're all, I think it's whole, a little bit easier to create an artist statement that pre- reflects a specific project as opposed mm-hmm. to. Lindsay Knoll, the artist statement, because that is like trying to summarize you as a entire thing. Whereas if you did a specific project, for instance, documenting sign, I don't know. (laughs) What am I doing? I don't know. (laughs) Documenting some sign. If you had a specific project, you could speak easily to that specific project, which is kind of what we do for a living, I guess. We create specific projects and talk to that project, but we it's rare that we have to talk about everything we do in one sentence. When you're thinking about how specific you get, I think maybe the reason why we see a lot of weird buzzwords and we see a lot of things like creativity and practice and juxtaposition, juxtaposition and all of the words that are there, narrative and like all these things, like we all know that those mean things. We, we know what those mean. And I think that one of the, the things that I saw come up a lot, I think we have these themes that you kind of know are inherent about most illustration work you know a lot of it's going to be narrative because i Mm -hmm. think that's part of the the actual attribute of why it's illustrative but then some of the artist statements that i've read in the last week have been really interesting because people do talk a lot more about very specific themes and threads that go throughout their entire practice and i think that's been kind of a lot more fun to read because you get to know the person for exactly why they're choosing what they're doing you know and why it relates to the work that you're seeing next to the artist statement, you know? So since the last time you wrote one was, what, like two months ago? Well, previously before that, it was a long time. Yeah. Can you think back to your junior review? I can't, actually. <laughs> I, I, really? I don't remember anything about it. Maybe that... I'll ask Francesca. Maybe okay. you remember yours. But do you, can you describe what a junior review is? Me? Yeah. Sure. It is um, when you are a junior in college probably art college i don't know if they do this in other colleges and you choose a body of work based on they all have to be things you made in in school and based on your interest and based on where you think you're going as an artist you need to present that in front of a panel of teachers with an artist statement kind of explaining where you where you've come from and what you've been doing in school and where you're going and your teachers will give you kind of like I think it's mostly a pass fail on whether or not you should continue to pursue the thing you're pursuing so sometimes 
you go in and you're like, I'm going to be, this is my major, this is what I'm doing. And your teachers may be like, that's great. Other times your teachers might be like, maybe you might want to try this other thing because this is a little bit more about like, you know, maybe you prefer a different major or something. The interesting thing about the ones that I went through this week is it is um, heavily decided whether or not you pass or fail based on your long-term goals, how they're relating to how you show how your practice is progressing, and very specifically how you talk about where you think you're headed in your artist statement. And I think that's really interesting because there were some people in this last one that um, knew very specifically where they wanted to go, and it made the conversation a lot easier to kind of brainstorm or or to even give like a solid critique on Mm -hmm. where they were. Um, The ones that were more vague were incredibly difficult. And I think that may be a product of how I deal with our design work um, and our design, like our design clients and things like that, is that usually when somebody has a challenge and they tell you what they're trying to do, it's a lot easier to take a look at it and then critique based off a specific parameter. Right. Yeah. I think in general, specific things are easier to deal with than nebulous ethereal <laughs> beautiful things floating out in the environment that which i you like have in to... general I, I like nebulous and ethereal right. as, as concepts yeah. well i know i get frustrated when i'm working on a project specifically this is like client work or something i really like it when somebody's like here's a list of objectives that need to be met yes here's you know a list of the the goals and the look and all this kind of things and then we go out to meet those things it's much more difficult when no one is sure of what they want, but they're sure they want something good. Yes, of course. And it's kind of like this back and forth prodding to kind of like figure out, poking around and being like, is this kind of it? I'm sure I've told this story before, but um, I had a boss a long time ago and he said, we need to make flowers. <laughs> and you said, oh. actually, this is, it, that, that's even more specific than it started. He's like, I was like, what is the theme of what we're doing? And he said, Tuscany in the springtime. And I said, <laughs> that's my favorite. Okay. Tell me about how that feels. I was yeah. like, I kind of understand what that means, yeah. but can you, okay. Like if we were creating icons, what kind of icons would he say? And he said, mm, a flower. And he went, uh Oh, and I said, any specific, any specific kind of flower. And he said, mm, could be anything really. <laughs> And then I was like, this is getting us nowhere. So I was like, I'm going to just draw flowers. And then you point to one when I have drawn one that you like. And then <laughs> Which we, I think yeah. is helpful. I think that's helpful. Yeah, because I just needed, I needed like a baseline, um, you know, a baseline of any sort of direction of what we're looking at. Well, what makes a lot of sense with that, and I think what helps somebody who's new to that process, the funny thing is he was not new to the product development process. He may be new to the collaborative Right. He was more process. new to the art direction side and and he was, I mean, he was great at what he did. He was a sorcerer and a, um, he was great at pulling things together. He yeah. was really great. I mean, his specialty was looking at a wall of objects made by a vendor or something and pulling out the three that Best. make an awesome collection right. that fit, so, sit well together and, and make a statement. One thing I think is interesting about the way that you approached getting some specifics from him was the same way that I think somebody has to start a series of absolutes, you know, whether that is the person handing me an artist statement for their junior review that says, I do this, what do you think about the relationship between what I'm saying and what I'm actually doing? And I can respond, you know, 
Same thing with a project that you're working on for a client. If they give you a series of absolutes, you can say, all right, well, here's my opinion mm-hmm. and here's how we can work back and forth. And you, you give your portion, they give you feedback, you give them things based on their feedback and it kind of goes back and forth. I don't think, um, I think probably the hardest projects that I've ever had to work on were the ones that started very similar to what you were saying about your past Yeah, boss. I think a lot of people think that saying it's free, you can do whatever you want is like the artist's dream to hear no, for a project, but, but not, it is it yeah. makes it way more difficult. That's the funny it, thing. When because I, it's when not usually to, true either. Because when we talked to Nick Scrady from Uptown Tattoo, he I think he would disagree with you and he'd say, awesome, po- pick a body part and I would... If you let me do whatever I want, I am totally going to do whatever I want. Well, do you think half the time he does something and then they see it and then they're like, like before he gets the tattoo on their skin, but he shows shows in the drawing and they're like, actually, I bet you he. I gets... do have like seeing something makes them. Yes, be I like, bet this you is he actually, does get that. Here's an example of things I don't want now. Anything except for this, and then he goes and does another <laughs> Anything <one. laughs> except for the thing you just drew. Yeah, but I do think in some cases there are some enviable people that skirt the fine line between fine art and illustration. Mm-hmm. Who, for example, James Jean has commissions ten pieces into the future. He hasn't even made these ten pieces yet, and somebody's already paid him for whatever number eleven. Um. And in that case, I think the expectation is that I want what you make, do that thing that you make, and I've already paid you for it, and I'm just going to be happy with whatever it is. And I think Nick from Uptown Tattoo might have that in some cases where people respect his practice and they're just like, okay. But you're right, though. I think even Nick probably has his like go-to imagery that he likes to draw and feels good about drawing. Yeah, so you people know. might know that about him already before yeah. they, they say, I'll take whatever, just put it on my back, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, but at the same time, like, what, well, what, would you, what would you rather have? A client that, and maybe this is a good question for all of you guys. I know, um, Jenny, you, might, you have a different practice, uh-huh. but say you guys, you had a client that was on one polar end that said, do whatever you want, or a client that has very, very, very specific demands that even include above and beyond a normal parameter they say i want a person looking this direction with this color hair with this thing with this stuff you know which one would be a a preferable for you and why um i had a really amazing client experience this summer when i worked on that comic because that was that was that was how I would do everything if I could, but I realized it was a very particular instance. Which side was that on? Um, you can do whatever you want. I could. It was closer to the. You can do whatever you want. It was a story that was specked out very. Like he was very specific about the story, and he his script was very solidly written. So like there was no question. And this is comes to specificity too. Like when I read the script, I knew what he was talking about exactly. I was never like, this doesn't make sense or this is unclear. Can you describe it really in, in depth? For example, did was it only dialogue, no imagery that he wrote or was no, it? No, he was, he, he was like, page one, here, we need to see these characters in the first panel. Like he didn't say exactly, like he'd maybe kind of say, well, this is what one character should be doing and this is another. He wouldn't like describe the panel necessarily, but he'd tell me what needed to be in it. And so then I would take that and interpret it. So I had, he had given me all of that information up front. So I guess in a way, in that case, he, he was very specific. But then after that, he was, I mean, he would, I would show him the work and he would, you know, give me feedback and stuff. But for the most part, he was pretty hands off. 
So he was like, so it was more do. in the middle. It was more. I in would the say that's very in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, it was ideal. It was perfect. It was like, right. like working well, that was makes a dream. Sense. I feel like either extreme so if you is had probably to not do... good. So in the middle would be. Yeah. It would I... be like the baby bear. The baby. Oh, the baby <laughs> bear's right. bed. So is that the one so that was just nice. right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Babies was yeah. just right. Yeah. Of course it is. We need soft things for our babies. Anyway. So. But not too soft. Not too soft. Right. Just right. Just right. I feel like so, that one is a pretty ideal so- solution because he was very open on the art, but he also was very specific on the content. Yes. What would you do if if you had to pick one of the extremes? Which one would you think would be well? I think preferable? It, it depends on the client because if the client was do whatever you want and then you did whatever you want and then they came back and said thanks, right? Then that <laughs> that would be obviously the ideal one. But if they came back and said mm, I wasn't really thinking that, let's right. go back and forth forever. And, you know. Well, that's why this was a dream, too, is because he was like, like the things that I did, he loved. And I was like, oh, man, this is I guess so cool. The, yeah, the, On my side of it, I would pick the person who is super controlling. And I will tell you why really quick. I would pick that over the do whatever you want almost any day because I'm much more challenge based than have a story to tell on my own. And that is really weird to say because I know I do a lot of the concepting for the shows at Light Gray. But when I'm working with a client, I love trying to create the best option for the craziest set of parameters. Right, yeah. Well, that's what this felt like because yeah. I had, I did have pretty strict parameters. I would definitely lean towards that direction. But if somebody's going to be like, they have to be looking over their left you know, shoulder and they have that's three streaks be. of hair, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Three streaks I think of that, hair. That's also really frustrating. <laughs> and that's like when somebody's like... Just three hairs. Like really specific about if you were doing a book and they were like let's just use this font arbitrarily because I'm saying that's the one to use even right. if it's well, not. You, and then you, well, you're that, like, I know this is a bad decision, but you are so specific that I have no option in this case. the problem with this super specific side also is when they say three streaks of hair and whatever, <laughs> they probably have a vision in their head of what they already want. Right. And right. just want you to be able to translate it to paper for them. Right. Right. You're, which you're, is a problem. Right. And I think that's... It does make it difficult. I was yeah. talking yeah. with this about... With, with my friend about writing because I'm now working on my own comic that I wrote and I'm coming up with it and it's I definitely like working with someone else's script better because I feel like my the the part of the job that I really like is interpreting a script so I feel like my skills are being used but I'm also not the sole responsibility of coming up with you know I'm not the sole creator mm-hmm. and when I so there's no parameters right and so when I was talking about thumbnailing this comic that i wrote i i have to catch myself because i keep doing this thing where it's almost like i'm vomiting out illustrations because i've already thought about the images so much rather than approaching it like this is a problem that i need to solve you know which i think is kind of what you're saying where you like to have your client come up to you and be like make this thing for me here's all the things i want and then you would take that interpret it and make it the coolest thing that you can make you know Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so much more fun to work with someone else because you approach it as like this is a problem I'm solving. This isn't me just like, like kind of shooting in the dark. You were right when you said somewhere in the middle. Obviously, I think we all will agree somewhere yeah. in the middle is the best because you have parameters. Um, so obviously, I would not pick an over controlling person if I no. if I well, I keep thinking had the of choice. The, the five obstructions. I kept thinking of that in the back of my head as like these five rules that you're 
applying to your work because you really you could do anything like Chris's boss said or whatever, however he phrased it. Really, you <laughs> could do anything. Well, the yeah. funny thing oh. he, he didn't he didn't, he didn't mean you could do anything by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Yeah. He had a picture. Right. In his he head. had a very specific picture of what he wanted. He and just he had didn't, to try and he just didn't have the, or he just, he didn't really want to articulate it. He was oh, just like, just Tuscany is in the spring is as far as I'm going to go. Right. But so, we had to design a hundred <laughs> items off of this word. <laughs> so I was right. just like, okay, I need well, some right. specifics to start designing well, but, items. And that's like the great thing about being as specific as you possibly can is because if you do have at least like five obstructions or parameters that you have to go with, it usually gives you like size, scale, maybe color, maybe like a couple other things that at least get you going in the right direction. So you're like, these are my options. So all the other millions of options in the world about like types of products this this could be applied to don't even matter. So what is the specifics about this material and whatever? So I think that's so much easier. I don't know. I would rather go on the parameter side. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's a, li- a little bit easier to digest. And especially mm-hmm. when you're on a timeline, I think it is definitely easier to digest. Yes. So what happens when you're starting to talk about yourself like that? When we were doing the grant writing, um, we were doing so many things at once, but we were trying to take everything that we do here at Light Gray and make it this concise two-page thing, you know, mm-hmm. two-page blurb about what we do who we are how we function who we cater to what our audience is like how it works well that's the funny thing writing about light gray and all the things we do is easier than writing a personal statement because writing about light gray is definitive it is like this is what we do and there's no question is really because i was gonna say i feel like i feel like with all the diversity of things that we do narrowing that down to two pages in front of a panel of people that have never maybe never heard about what we yeah. do would seem pretty fractured and kind of maybe unachievable in some ways you know they're like why would anybody do a skateboard show and then a video game and then a something and a something else you know mm-hmm. and i was thinking about that because we we are in the process of writing new grants for possible things in the future and it's always something that I come back to. So how would you, do you think you have to, again, kind of like when we were talking with the elevator pitch, do you think you would have to to specify down to one facet of what we do in order for somebody to understand when you only have two pages? Or do you not agree with that? For the recent light gray grant, we had five pages, which is great. So that is a little bit better. but Because it's more? Because it's more pages, you can describe like each part. I think that's in a worse. I think that's worse. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes it harder. I I find for it's... the reader, you mean? Yeah, or... for everyone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> tell, tell, tell us why people no, okay. involved. Why you feel like that's it. not true. Not for everyone. It's it's easier for the writer because it's easier to use a billion words. But I find it more helpful to try and use the least amount of words possible. That are the most specific. So does that mean you omit a whole chunk of what we do just because you don't think people need to hear it? No, I think you just cut down with the explanations and things like that and leave it a little bit more terse. It's that like poetry thing where they talk about how you, in order to write a 
poem. In fact, I feel like I just read this in that Art and Fear book, Jenny. Maybe you can pull the I quote. I said it last week, too. I think oh, you did? I did? About, yeah. like, yeah, because that would make sense, because you're talking about elevator yeah. pitches. But but you have to write 10 pages in order to get to, one poem out. Like yeah, to get, like, a, like and, and it makes sense, like, it just is, like, coming with the right language to define all the things. And actually, when you were talking about junior views, I was thinking a lot about this, because even though I do not remember my junior view statement, I know that it was probably and certainly was not definitive at all. Like, I'm sure people read it and they're like, who are you? How do you learn to make it something specific then? Is it just because you don't know at that point in your career yeah, what think, exactly you're doing? Yeah, or do you I, think it's just that people don't know the language yet? Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's the the person writing. I think it was my fault. And I think, not fault, it's not, that's the other thing. Like, it's kind of funny, like now looking back on it, to expect someone who is in school to be able to define their themselves as an artist when they're in school because like i mean i don't know who i'm as an artist you know? well the cool thing is some people did it and mm-hmm. some of those junior review statements that i read i was like wow you know who you are a lot better than i know who i am yeah the funny yeah. thing is yeah. like being in the position you are now or being in any position where you've been out of school for a long time it doesn't make you any or make it any easier to write it no no you're just like this one's a good one and this one's a bad one because you can understand it and that's what i was going to say about francesca you worked at the learning center where you read these all day long yes did that make it any easier or like seeing other examples it did i think it did it like gave me like a breath of it definitely helped with grammar but it did give you a breath of like like what is out there but it did not make me it did not make my writing it any easier. And even like if I write one now, it would be really hard. And I I kind of feel like writing something for Light Gray is kind of like that because Light Gray is sort of like, like if, if Light Gray was an artist, how do you define Light Gray's work? Well, I have, a, I have a thing that I think is related to this. So we redid a huge chunk of the website this week on a whim. We were like, this is old, got to refresh it. So we refreshed it. And then Francesca updated hers. And then Chris made an entirely new website. And then Jenny went and updated hers. <laughs> so when you guys were doing that, one th- one comment I meant or I I mentioned when I was looking at Chris's the other day, and I think I was talking about Francesca's, you guys totally omitted the product design part of your life, which is the thing you do during the day. It is nowhere to be seen on your Both personal. You guys did? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, it I is haven't had it on Also there not on mine. It, we have a couple of the light gray projects, but uh-huh. the rest of the stuff is not on mine. And I was thinking about that when you guys were doing your website. And I was like, why did we do that? Why do we do that? Why did we do that? Why do we do that? <laughs> well, because well, that, that's a funny thing. I don't send around my personal web. I don't send around my personal website at all, for one. Yeah. But my, same. I figured my personal website at this point, I'm not looking for freelance work. I'm not looking for anyone to hire me or anything like that. So it is literally just an outlet to put things out there and say, here's a few of the things I make. So if anybody was listening to the podcast and they looked up my name, they could see a few of the things that I make or something like that. Do you have like an about page on your... I do have an about page and it does mention Paper Bicycle. And and I will have... My website is... I just put a thing up there so it is not done, but I was like, I'm just going to put this here because right now nothing is here. So I'm going to... It's just... It's not going to be like... I'm not going to like polish it to a spit shine... And then release it to the world and be like, hello world, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Um, I just wanted it to be there and then I'll update it. And I will have a product development page, but it will literally probably just be a few images and then say, I'm a product designer. I work at Paper Bicycle. 
here's a link to paper bicycle. Go there. Look Go at there. that. Yeah. We talked about like, what do you do? Like, like when we were talking about elevator pitches and then it's funny because then you go and you look up your name on the internet and you go to your site and you don't see any of the same stuff you would say in your elevator pitch on your website. Right. Well, right. Francesca- but in my elevator pitch, I would say Paper Bicycle and Light Lab. And then that would cover those two aspects. So they could go there to so look for it? So they could go to Paper Bicycle and they could right. go to Light Lab. And Do you then- think you have to make a declaration in that case on your website that says, these are my, this is my personal work? Or do you not even make that, that distinction between why it's different i try to avoid saying that and why do you do that because i like i've i heard this before and i think i do believe in it which is sometimes when you say personal work it sounds like you are trying to make an excuse or you're trying to or you're you're almost like writing it off and even though i don't think like the word personal is a bad word i think that it has become associated with this fact that it's something you do because it's something you do on the side it doesn't count and I think it does count. So I, I try not to say it too much. So it's more just your the connotation that you feel that that word yeah. has. Not yeah. necessarily because you need, you're trying to make a, a, like a definitive like spread between one kind yeah. of thing you do during the day and the yeah, other. Yeah, because I, the other thing is I treat the projects that I work on, the self, self-initiated projects, I treat them the same way I would treat. I like the process that I go through is exactly the same as if I was going to do it for a client except that it tends to get pushed on the back burner, you know, like, but, but as far as like, like my personal or my, you know, personal self-initiative projects, I, I do the same sketch process. I do the same, like, like I go through revisions, I get feedback. Like I do all the things that I would do that I do with the client. So I feel like it is, you know, I could, it stands up as like a project. So here's a question. Do you think that there's a psychological thing that we all do every single person in this room that's that you're like, I need to claim my very specific things that I do on my own. And I'm putting that on my website. Yeah. I think so. And then the stuff I do with team, team paper bicycle or team light gray goes on that website. Cause that's a, a different thing. And you think that's mainly the reason why, or do you think it is more that, cause, cause it, it was interesting. I don't really like it's not very easy to define sometimes, but when we were looking at all that stuff last week and I am just as like, you know, uh, what's the word? trying to think of a different word besides guilty. Yeah. Cause I'm not guilty, but I'm, but I don't, I also don't show the stuff that I'm known for. That's the weird thing. And I don't know why I would show these random, super random projects on my personal site. It's very weird. Yeah, I don't know. I and think, I, I don't know. I, I don't think know. it's hard, especially when you talk about your client projects, because every single project is different. And you're like, I wouldn't necessarily do this if I was left to my own devices. Or if it was just me sitting at home, I wouldn't make this random pattern or something. But it's all like a part of your skill set. So I don't know how to like wrangle in the things. I think your project section right now or your studio section right now of your website is good because it shows that it like it breaks up your practice into like you making artwork and illustrations you making businesses and art direction so that and that's interesting so so then when we were talking about writing those uh artist initiatives grants i had the hardest time trying to figure out which voice to talk in yeah i think you had the hardest time 
I had a super hard time because I was like, do I talk about the art direction side of myself or do I talk about like the illustrator side or since this is kind of a fine art grant, should I talk about the project and like the conceptual side of what Mm -hmm. I do? And it's funny because I ended up writing one about patterns because I'm like, there is no hiding from it. This is what I do. I do it in my free time. I do it for work. I teach it. Like I do patterns all day, every day. I should just own it. And I should write my artist initiative grant based on one thing that ties my whole entire practice together. Mm-hmm. But and I don't know if you guys struggled with that. But when we were talking about artist statements and trying to define that into one piece, even though my website's super fractured and my you know my life is super fractured in these different creative zones, that's kind of how I was thinking about writing that artist initiatives grant. I'm going to pick the one thing that ties most of my life together. I think that you approach it from a different perspective or angle than some of the other people. Like really? I, I think Francesca maybe also, and I was like, what is a project I want to do? Mm-hmm. And then I wrote my grant about that project yeah. where you were looking, you were kind of looking for projects that made sense with what you people's perception <laughs> of what you do is. You're like people's perception. Well, what, what people's perception of what you do is. Yeah, well, was, that's a hard a thing broad. when you have to, when you have to look at the, and this is the difference. It's exactly what junior review probably feels like for everybody that went through it. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm reading your artist statement. I'm looking at your work. And if there's a major disconnect between what you wrote and what you're showing, then I'd be like, what's going on? Well, the here? great thing about the artist initiative grant and a lot of grants is you submit your own portfolio. Yeah. So mine, I talked about photography. I submitted photographs and it's not, it's not like they I'm need to know everything the wool else over their eyes that I also do other things besides right, and- photography. But this is the one part of my portfolio that I felt like working on. I had a project that I wanted to do. Yeah. And those are just the things that I chose. So if you chose to do a pattern thing, you could have easily submitted a pattern. You'd I did. Select book. patterns. It, yeah. yeah. And if In you- fact, I think it would be detrimental to, to put other things besides patterns because the, the, and the other thing is like, I was thinking about this with junior view and actually senior project, I think is a good example of this is like when you approach junior view and when you approach senior project, you, you approach it as though that is the last chance you're ever going to get to tell anyone who you are. Right. And then you get out and you realize, Oh, wait a minute. Like I could do whatever now. And like the more projects you do, the more you realize, like I don't have to read like redefine myself every single time I do a project. I just need to define this project. And then, like, who cares if they don't know what else I'm doing? Like, they only really need to know, like, the specific... Right now, they only need to know that, Chris, that you're a photographer. They probably don't even know that you're an illustrator. They might not even know that you, like, And that's do the thing design. I was struggling with. Jenny had a conversation earlier this morning with Corey Godby, um, who is an illustrator that does a lot of fantasy-related work. And Jenny, you could probably talk about this more in depth, but you mentioned that he starts out the year figuring out what his self-initiated work will be. And he uses that as his muse for the entire year's worth of productivity, Mm -hmm. all the stuff that he does. And then because that is his new body of work, how does it work? He he kind of promotes that. At the beginning of the year, he decides a topic or a theme. And then he spends the next two months researching and making sketches and studies. And then for the rest of the year, he decides on a definitive number of how many pieces he's going to make, like finished pieces, like 15 or 10, and then makes those for the rest of the year. And then all his client projects follow suit. So every single year, he has an entire new body of work 
which is all like related and thematic and you can see like the progression of things throughout the pieces and it makes sense because he's able to tie in all that stuff we were saying was really difficult to to do like his Mm -hmm. professional work follows suit from his self-initiated projects and he schedules it i like it too yeah well it's funny because i think that that was one of the most interesting things about what you were saying about planning for that because mm-hmm. I, I mean when i make stuff on my own i just make it whatever you know i'm like today yeah. i want to paint a bunch of mushrooms so right. well i talk to you guys about that all the time it's hard when you're pulled in like all the directions and you have 10 minutes to sit down and sketch something mm-hmm. you're like what's the point like what am i even gonna draw i definitely feel that way yeah no it's it's hard to like get in the zone and so i think it makes sense that his entire year's focused around something and so there's no doubt what he's gonna make or what he should think about or also and he's got a specific client goal. projects are related because they hire him for his new work that he's making and so even his client projects push his portfolio which makes a lot of yeah. sense i bet you he's probably got an easier time writing an artist probably statement <laughs> well i, I was <laughs> I gonna say too do you think this ever ekes into your other um regular social life like for example we talked a little bit about um commitment i think probably in a podcast previously right but you ever think that um, sort of the... Okay, Jenny, I'm going to pick on you for a second. Yeah, that's fine. So you might be going to an opening, or it's not an opening, but you might be going to another gallery this weekend yep. to participate in the jurying of a new committee. And you told me yesterday, I really should do this because now it's November and one of my <laughs> New Year's resolutions for 2014 was to do more of this. Yes. So I should probably do something like yes. this. So... Do you think that committing to doing that is also kind of, uh, instead of just saying, I'm going to go and do it for a New Year's resolution, but actually specifically picking that thing is going to be helpful? Yes, I think, and I should have done this a long time ago. I think this year, I don't, I'm sure you guys have experienced this too. I don't even know where it went. Like, I don't even know how it's already November. I don't know um, either. I have no idea. But I think like planning out, and I do think we did a ton of conventions and a ton of lectures and things that were sort of a surprise and that's my problem and I'll talk about this on our New Year's podcast but that's my problem with New Year's resolutions is you feel down on all the things you didn't do but then you're like but I did do all these other things even though they don't fit into this category. Yeah Mm -hmm. because it was an opportunity that just happened to pop up. Or like I don't know getting involved with game developers or getting involved with all sorts of different communities that you weren't um, initially a part of and so that's also like being a part and an active member of the Twin Cities arts community and other communities. Um, but the thing that I'm going to on Saturday, I think is important. I've been to it. They only have it every two years. Can you talk about what it is? Sure. Um, so at the MIA, which is the gallery right down the road, it's a giant, it's like a national gallery. And it is, um, they have a program called the Minnesota Artist Exhibition Program. And every year they, or every other year they vote in five people who jury the applications for the program. Um, The artists that are selected usually have a solo or um, a paired show where it's two solo shows that open at the same time. And they get a grant to make all the work for the year, and they get to have their work displayed in a major gallery. So it's pretty exciting. Um, And they vote in people. You can nominate anyone on the spot and vote for them. Um, and they get 60 seconds to talk about their practice and what they do and why they're qualified. Wow. So it's really interesting. And it is a lot of people go to it, um, especially like cross-disciplinary people of all backgrounds, because the type of work that can be displayed 
is anything. I've seen people do like massive sculptures, um, like cut away parts of the gallery walls, do giant paintings. Um, so it is a, it's a huge deal. And a couple years ago, I had a friend who was on the panel and her experience doing that in completely informs what she does now. Um, and the way that she approaches gallery work and the way that she approaches exhibitions. So I don't know, I'm excited about going and I wish that I had the time to be more active like this all the time. Or something that I felt this passionate about going to, you know? Well, that's, and I think that's the thing too. I mean, there is something to be said about putting a, and this is why my my calendar on my phone has like all these little circles all over it, you know, is because yeah. if I don't put a very specific date and very specific time, like I don't even bother to write emails that say like, yeah, we'll do this soon. I don't do that anymore because I just, I never do it. Like, I don't do it. And you were talking about that earlier, Francesca. Mm -hmm. I do believe in the specific thing. I think you need to commit to a, like, a time and a date. Um, I feel more like a horrible person because I'm the, I am the person that will be like, yeah, I'm going to go to that thing on Friday and then I don't. So I, like, and I had an experience (laughs) like that recently. And then I caught myself and it was less about, like, the specificity and more about, like, who I wanted to be as a person. And I was like, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna go to this thing and I'm actually gonna go to it and I'm not gonna like like I don't know I so I, it's so it's like you it's just it's just committing to participating yeah yeah it's yeah well that's one thing that I think is really interesting about and I was gonna make a kind of a compare and contrast between like knowing that event is coming up putting on your calendar going mm-hmm. and then um, Corey Godby's like major yearly like commitment. Yeah. And saying, I'm going to do this, this many pieces, and I'm going to hold myself to it. Um, I think it's very hard for a lot of us to have nebulous, big, super big projects that could have any number of pieces in it with Mm -hmm. any number of things, you know, Mm -hmm. and actually hold yourself to a self-initiated project like that because it doesn't have that other counter person waiting for you to come and be there. And like, you know, it's, it's such a funny thing of like, why why some of those things work for people and why they don't but what were you gonna say francesca yeah no i was just agreeing with that i i think the whole like treating treating my other projects like work projects has helped it hasn't like solved everything because like i said i push all those projects they come last but like that was one great thing about that project this summer is it kind of was like oh wait a minute why don't i just when I make a comic, why don't I just do it like this? Like, why don't I like set up deadlines and, you know, fulfill certain parts and, you know, why do I have to have somebody to answer to, to do that, you know? And it's way easier with someone to answer to, but I think it helps. Yeah, it does help. But, but the funny thing is like, now that I'm working on this, I still do like kind of, I answer to myself, I guess, you know, like, yeah, like I did, I'm, it's, it's in progress. It's not as far as it should be right now. Like I have a schedule and it's not as far as it should be, but it is, further than I thought I would be like I kind of was like going to this thinking I wasn't going to do it or I was going to like fall apart and it hasn't yet so do you think you're going to commit to like a release date I will once the the stage that I'm on now once I've completed it then I will I will pick a date because then I will have like I think a better idea of like how much longer it'll take um, yeah I'm struggling with that it, that's hard <laughs> that is really hard and the other thing the nice thing about a release date though is at least it gives you like a ballpark because you don't like you don't have to do the release date. You don't want to think like that. You want to think that you do have to. But if you don't, nobody's going to 
you know, like your dad says, take you out back and shoot you or whatever. Yeah, like, well, some people might take me out back and shoot me no. if I don't finish a great personality game. Speaking oh, no. of which, no. I'll, I think, okay, so so if you have gone to the website, you will see I have committed to a release date for like a real, like, I mean, I I need to and I have and I'm close, which is good, um, committed to the next one, which has to go out in January. So those of you guys that send me emails, thanks for doing that, by the way. And some days I need like a kick in the pants and then other days I need, you know, <laughs> it's it's not like I've forgotten it. It's just one of those things that amidst all the other stuff and all of the people like, you know, setting things on fire and me having to put it out and sometimes oh, it's a lot of work. And I also forgot how much work it would be building another chunk of the world. So all of the um, awesome backgrounds and all the characters that people had done, uh, like they're still there, which is really awesome. And now we're expanding it. So Francesca is actually helping me with this. And I yeah. forgot if we've talked about it or not, but we're building all these extra spaces and places. And man, if you think about what it's like to draw, you know, 15 to 20 new backgrounds in a go, you're like, oops, this does take a long time, <laughs> but it'll be totally worth it. So, um, but I know what you mean though. It's kind of one of those things where I, I'm at that stage where I can commit to it. And I think it's not just a nebulous thing anymore. And it has to be, it has to be there. Um, lucky for me, all the hard parts are are almost over. You know, like now it's easy to code and all that kind of stuff. It's just getting the the assets together. So, Chris, when you do your commitments, um, and when you are very specific about stuff, one thing I think you do every two weeks is set up the light gray game nights. Mm-hmm. And you got to choose a topic. You ever have any anxiety about that? Um, no. I mean, the topics don't really matter. They're pretty loose. <laughs> don't say that. I feel, like, I feel like people look forward to on the road or whatever your well, next I, one Well, I look forward to making the topics just because I like to do that. But mm-hmm. but when it comes down to it, we're going to play what we're going to play and it doesn't really matter. So the date is important and the topic is helpful yeah. to differentiate them. It's cool to look back at all the graphics, too, because mm-hmm. now I'm like, look at all these game nights that we've had that have been all sorts of different themes. And, and you get to take pictures of your board games. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he board sets games. up all the little, little people, little zombies and little things. Yeah, I could probably get those posts out like twice as fast if I didn't do that. But that, If that isn't a professional career, you should claim that professional, photographing professional photographing board, board games. Yeah. Photographer. I think there's like one guy who does make a career out of that. Oh, that's too bad. Maybe guy number two. Should probably be your <laughs> career. Guy number two, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but no, no stress about that. No, that's not a big deal. When Just do you ever have anxiety anymore when you're waiting for people to show up? Not really, because no matter what, Francesco play games with you. Yeah, because no matter what, I have three <laughs> people to play games with, and mm-hmm. that is plenty. I know um, five on top of that will come, and sometimes up to fifty will yeah, come. Yeah, there's like there are, we have yeah. regulars. I get. I mean, I would be more concerned the more people that would come. For instance, when fifty people were walking through the door, and I was like. We are out Eventually, of I just gave, I, I, left. Yeah, I just gave up trying to set them up. I was just like, just find something to do. There's like a million <laughs> things going on. I can't like handpick games for everyone to play and set them up yeah. and teach them the rules and stuff. But everyone... They did a good job. Yep. It was fun. It yeah. actually, I liked when we went to Fantasy Flight Event Center. We went a couple weeks ago and we had, I guess they're game hosts. They walk around and tell you how to play the game. Yep. And I was thinking, man, that must be so stressful because like you don't, you have to walk in and figure out where they are and like... 
try to be helpful and you have to know the rule book by heart and then that's chris's like dream job yeah actually let me tell you about page 43 a couple, paragraph two a couple <laughs> weeks ago we had that many people where we did get to walk around and tell people how to play games and it was actually really fun to like just be like if you, uh, the games that i knew really well i i like saddled myself with like yeah, the easiest games that at, at that <laughs> but, event they were only teaching one game so i i'm feeling they didn't know they didn't know the books as well as you did. As well as other people did. We'd be like, what happens in this case? Because, you know, you're at this event and you're just like, here's a weird rule case. What happens? Should we look in the book or should we just ask this, ask these people over here? And then, you know, the nice man or woman would come over and we'd say, what happens in this case? And then it was go, fun, um, though. It was I nice to not have to look it up. answer for that, but I don't, I don't know what that is. And then we'd be like, okay, we'll just, we'll figure it out. I liked calling them over. I think it was, it <laughs> made it. Francesca's like, mm, You have a little tiny Hello. <laughs> we didn't, but we did, we would like, <laughs> like squirm around in our seats and they couldn't see us like craning our necks. Oh, but yeah. I, I thought I it, think if we picked up the rule book, then they would come over. Because they didn't want us touching flipping, that. No, it's just because they were I like, mean, they oh, would come they around and ask eye. us how things were going too, which I actually really, for some reason that, I, I think of my favorite part of that experience was playing a game where people actually were caring about how well we were doing <laughs> they were like oh you guys are like oh you got a lot of monsters on the board and we're like yeah someone noticed <laughs> surprise we set a record for having the most the most monsters at one did location. you die instantly then no we, we it was a slot long it was long a long slow, slow oh, okay. death but they were like i don't think i've ever seen that many monsters on the board at once You're and i was like, like uh, is there a rule that prevents that ever happening and they're like <laughs> nope and have- i was like okay <laughs> We, we emptied the bag on the board. There was no monsters, monsters left of us. <laughs> we just gave up fighting monsters and we're like, and we were talking. Just run away from Well, them. one of them was Sydney and we're like, sorry, Campbell White. Goodbye. Sydney is, has been devoured. Australia was piled under Krakens. like 15 monsters. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, no, game night doesn't stress me out. Okay. <laughs> but it, it part of the reason is because I don't have to pick a date. The date is set. It's always every other Wednesday. And I think that helps. Barring a, a holiday or something like that. But that way, there's no commitment from me besides having to show up because I don't have to look at my schedule and be like, what works? I just have to make it work with every other Wednesday. Yeah. That's what's nice about having a solid teaching schedule. For the last, like, it's like my 11th year of having Monday and Wednesday nights taken up, you know? Like, I know it's coming and I know it's there and it's kind of therapeutic because I'm like, oh, you guys. That's really nice. But yeah, I don't think that stresses me out that much anymore. Only on the first couple of weeks of school, I get nervous for no reason. But uh, good job, team, being specific about all your things. Speaking of other specifics, let me tell you and let Jenny tell you some specific mm-hmm. dates of things coming up. We have some thank yous first. Thank you to everybody that participated in the Skate or Die show. You guys are awesome. This was a totally amazing show. It was pretty awesome. We had a lot of great comments about it. Um, You guys did a great job. And if you guys didn't get to see it, it's still archived up on the website. You can go take a peek at our new website, see what that's like. Um, And yeah, anything else about that specific show? Yeah. Um, Well, we have had so many people come into the gallery and check out all the decks. Um, I think this is one of the shows that uh, really gets people excited. They're either sitting down telling us all their skateboarding stories or they're sort of drooling over all the awesome images on the boards. Um, But we're going to be working on making skateboards this week, getting all the orders out. Um, So hopefully you'll have them in your hands very soon if you purchase a deck. Definitely. Um, So that's... So it's a really awesome show. We're happy that that 
that is uh, all archived and online. Yeah, so. and um, and we do have, and I say this every week, but I, I always, and again, this is that commitment and specificity thing, um, keep an eye out. Jenny and I went through our massive calendar of 2015 mm-hmm. everything, including all of our travel dates and all of our show dates and all of our everything that's ever happened. And so we are about to launch several calls for art in the next probably month and a half mm-hmm. um, like in a four, row. Yeah, about four call for arts. Yeah, which is so. crazy. So those calls will be up um, pretty soon. And we just have to get, again, all the details ready for you guys. Mm-hmm. But we're really excited. It's a, a big, good, diverse group of of shows that we've got happening so different formats different things yeah so we have a couple events this coming week which is really exciting um this wednesday is our next game night do you want to tell them about the theme yeah the theme is on the road and we are going to be playing travel-based games such as ticket to ride which is a age-old classic it's not that old but it's it's a classic uh we're also going to be playing games like key largo jaipur any game that vaguely is related to travel. What was another one? There was another big travel. I don't know. I was, all I can think of is what there about, a Cormac McCarthy uh, board game. Tokaido? Yeah, Tokaido. Tokaido, yes. Tokaido, yes. where you are taking a leisurely stroll down the feudal Japanese coast. That sounds yes. fun. It's very nice. So that's Wednesday from 6.30 to 9.30. What's the date? Wednesday, November 12th, 6.30 to 9.30 Very cool. Yep. PM. And then next Thursday is a huge, huge day. It's called Give to the Max Day. So it's happening the entire day. We'll put up a link on the blog and we'll also put it um, on the podcast notes. But it is a giant day that you can donate to any of your favorite nonprofits or um, organizations in Minnesota. And actually, I think it's happening nationally also. There's different dates for a couple states, but um, it's a way to support what we do. As you guys know, everything that we do is completely based on the support of all of the artists involved, all of the people who appreciate the shows, um, people that play the games that we do, all the crazy stuff that we come up with. Um, it is all 100% Um, supported by the people that care about it. So if you feel like we are doing a good job and you have a couple bucks uh, that you want to donate, of course, it's tax deductible too. You guys can put on your your taxes as a sweet write-off. Or if you just want to do it out of the kindness of your heart, it means a lot to us um, and keeps us doing things that are experimental and exciting and pretty crazy, which is really fun. So we'll definitely put the links to that and we'll be talking about it on the blog and also on the Facebook, Twitter, that kind of stuff too, which I'm sure Chris will tell you in just a second. But yeah, yeah thanks for considering that. And then if you know anybody else that um, maybe hasn't listened to our podcast yet, uh, maybe tell those guys about it. That would be really great of you yeah, guys. that would be really nice. And then this coming Saturday, the 15th, we are going to be announcing all the artists that are joining us for the 2015 Artist Residency in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been doing interviews all week. We've been sifting through all the applications, and there have been an outstanding number of people who have applied for the project. We're really excited about it. Um, we absolutely fell in love with the format this past year. Um, we're going to have some information about the people that went last time. If you did want to peek at the blog, you're welcome to go, or the website, you're welcome to go and click on the Iceland 2015 residency image right on the front page, and you can see what the um, the informational kind of series of information or the what am I saying? The information about that program and about the people that were um, involved. And then again, later on this week, 
uh, on the 15th, which is Saturday, you'll see kind of a bio, a couple pictures of the people involved and uh, more information. So again, thanks to everybody who sent in their application for that. It is really awesome to see so many great people um, applying to be a part of this really collaborative experience. And we'll let you know how that goes. So um, also, this is kind of far out there, but you should just know that it is coming. But on December 21st, from 1 to 3 p.m., if you are a local person or if for some reason you want to come all the way out to Minnesota and bake some cookies, we have the, what, how many years have we been doing this, Chris? Five? Probably five or so. We're having a cookie party, <laughs> which is awesome. So if you want to bake a bunch of cookies and bring them over, um, just bring like a Tupperware container or a tin or something like that, and you'll get to take home this giant mass of cookies um, from all sorts of different kinds of people. We have like a massive variety of different kinds of things from sugar cookies to peanut butter cookies to some funny, weird granny cookies that I like to make from the days of old uh, and uh, lots of good ones. So lots of decorated ones too. So that, again, is December 21st from 1 to 3 p.m. Chris is confused about December. That's a long way away. That's it like, Thank it's like goodness. a month away. It's weird how... It's like a month and two weeks away. Okay. Well, you're both right. It's like a month and a day away. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what day it is. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so if people want to find out more about what is going on, where do they find us? You can visit our blog at blog.lightgreatartlab.com. You can find us on Facebook and like us and then you'll be kept <laughs> thanks chris <laughs> you're like let me tell you how facebook works <laughs> all right <laughs> keep going i don't know i thought it was fine what's wrong with that just keep going people will like it they'll like how you know how to use facebook uh you can find us on twitter we're at like riot lab you can <laughs> why are you laughing because he I forgot, forgot where, where we where are now i have to Tumblr. say it all in one go we are on Tumblr, lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. <laughs> you can email us at podcast at lightgrayartlab.com. And you can subscribe to the show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. That is awesome. And again, if you guys uh, haven't subscribed to the podcast, if you like it, um, if you like what we do, go ahead and it would be amazing to give us a rating on there. That always helps too. Or write in, tell us what you want to hear about. That's always helpful as well. So thanks again for listening to our super specific podcast. And we will talk with you soon. Bye.